Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome, everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan. And uh, we have a fantastic show lined up for you today. I'm really excited uh, to kind of go into some of this stuff. But before we do, I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, uh, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, as well as some extra content that we put out, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash themindsculptors or check out the link in the description. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the deck list that won the Crack Open a Kaldheim tournament last week. Uh, and joining me today for this discussion is uh, my good friend Pongo. Pongo, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. This was a list that I... Um, I, I, I for, for whoever watched the live stream of that, Pongo and I did commentary for that. And I, I was, after the championship game... Um, <laughs> shilling this deck very hard. I thought it was easily one of the coolest decks I've ever seen. Um, so I'm really, really excited to introduce our guest today. Uh, the pilot and winner of Crack Open of Kaldheim is uh, Hisp. Hisp, how's it going today? It's great, man. Very happy to be here. Excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I said in the opener, uh, you did win the Crack Open of Kaldheim tournament. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, that uh, it, anytime anybody wins a CDH tournament, it's a big deal. So, um, so you built uh, Kirk or not Kirk? Jesus, um, Sakashima and Kodama, and uh, so explain some of how that came about and why you landed on this Perrin Simic and how you know the whole deck really kind of came into fruition. Oh man, it's sort of a longer story than you'd think. Uh, so it actually started, I was listening to an Into the North um, podcast and they were talking about some of the new cards and whatever. They were talking about the, the four color Omnath and they actually, I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know if I'm misremembering this or they were joking or what happened, but they, were, they had somehow said that you could trigger the second and third iterations of the landfall, like the mana one and then the, the burn multiple times if you stack them correctly, which is not mm -hmm. true. But I it like I heard that and I was like, well, that's so cool, like landfall in CDH, like, you know, it's never really been viable, but that would be so cool. And so I started brewing around that and I did that for like a little while. And then I like, I was going on and, and checking some of the rules and I was like, I don't think this is real. <laughs> but it got me thinking about some of those cards and some of those interactions, like the bounce lands, um, you know, I think it's Simic Growth Chamber, and they printed a new one um, recently that was colorless. And some of the synergies with, especially Kodama, um, I, I sort of later stumbled onto Kodama. I was like, okay, well, if you get these triggers, um, sort of segue. The next thing was there was this guy in the 
server I play most frequently, the CEDH game server, uh, handles Emery's. And I think like right even before the set was fully released, he was playing Kodama Sakashima uh, pretty consistently. And it was, you know, sometimes I saw him, he, his list is a little more like with outlets. And I think he's probably playing Simic Growth Chamber and some of those flicker lands like my list doesn't have uh, the, ba- the bounce lands in it. Uh, but he would get like a Hedron Crab on the field and then like flicker. Uh, the bounce land and but it was like I just thought that the idea that Kadama opens up this landfall trigger where you can You know you get the the land comes back and especially with Sakashima uh, I thought that was just landfall was just you know captured my heart So my original iteration of trying to make Kadama work was I actually brewed with Tago and That came out of playing just a random discord game on cockatrice with uh, these three people from Germany uh, and one of them was playing, they, they were not very familiar with CEDH, one of them was playing Tago um, Kodama, and I didn't really see the list do anything, and I was like, I was sort of scratching my head, I was like, is this one of those things where like somebody's playing something weird like Magus, and like there's not really any CEDH value, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, well like, so you get one of these bounce lands, it ETBs, you get a Kodama trigger, and you get a Tago trigger where you put an artifact on. So like the artifact, the token artifact will trigger another Kadama. So like you get the bounce land, it's in your hand, and then the artifact lets you put it back on. And then you get, um, you know, you get, so you, you, if you have a bounce land, you can get this, this, this infinite trigger with these artifacts coming out. And so I built a Tago Kadama list with a bunch of outlets, like, uh, you know, there's a reckless, um, oh man. I have to find the reckless name. Reckless Fireweaver. Like you know, yeah, Reckless Fireweaver is like one. So stuff like that where like Artifact, um, ETB, Burn, you know, outlets like that. Uh, what's the the Valakid Exploration? Is Landfall, um, Exile a card from your li- right. library, right? You can play it this turn. So stuff like that where like you get infinite Landfall, you draw your deck. Um, so I played that in a few games and what I found was that I originally was like, okay, like I I'd known about Kadama Sakashima, I was like, okay, well this is this comes out like Tago not only is three CMC, so it's a little easier to deploy after maybe you you know dump a bunch of mana with Jewel Lotus or whatever to get Kadama out. But then on top of that, if you just don't have a win in hand, then like these rocks, you can use them sort of like as interaction or like stacksy things. And that was my thought. And then I got into a game and realized that the rocks fed Dockside. And and also that Tago with two toughness, somehow two toughness is like the magical number where things just die. Yep. And so like Tago was just getting lit up and I was like, I can't keep this guy alive to like (laughs) untap on my next turn and win. It was like, I was in multiple games where like I had the win on the next turn, I cast Tago and then like I, I just... I just sat there and suffered and like it was like always a mana short because he would die and it's like now it costs five and so I was like okay so that's a big uh, a big reason to want to play Sakashima because then they both have six, t- six toughness and they're like safe from all this burn nonsense um, and so I was messing around I was like okay and I you know I was exploring some of the combos because the Tago combo was like you like you're I was playing the bounce lands and like some weird stuff like goes core just goes not ghost. Is it ghost quarter? Some that's that's one that destroys. Uh, no, it's land. ghost. Ghost town. I think is you can lift it for free, but you have to do it on an opponent's turn. 
so you could you could start start this infinite stuff on an opponent's turn. Yeah, that's you can return um, it to your hand. And so I knew that uh, that if you switched red for blue, you would get access to the Oboro land, Palace in the Clouds. And so I was like, okay, let me explore some of what blue has. And that's when I really first stumbled onto Cloudstone Curio with the double Kadama triggers, which is like, I would say the real keystone combo piece of the deck. You know, if there's one thing that you have access to, whether it's being able to tutor Cloudstone or, or have Cloudstone, then that's it. And I was like, okay, well then Cloudstone is infinite mana because you're, you, if you get a land onto the battlefield, even if it comes from one of the Kadama triggers, the other Kadama will trigger. And then Cloudstone will trigger, you lift one of your other lands or the same land, and then you can put it back and you just start this infinite thing. So not only can you get infinite mana, which is useful, you know, you can, if you have a Kinnon out, for example, you win. Um, but if you have any of the lands that have an ability to draw you cards, like Bonder's Enclave, or I'm playing some really obscure stuff like Arch of Arch Orazka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what you know, this? I don't know. Historic? I'm, I still haven't <laughs> been playing enough to to have flushed out some of the nuance and like maybe Arch of Arazka is a little win more because if you have ten permanents, maybe you've already gotten there. But um Yeah. So but I in just in the brewing phase I was like, you know, like I'm just gonna dump all this stuff. Even like stuff like uh Miko Koro, which draws everybody a card. I think that the really like bottom of the barrel is uh, Grayer Reach Sanitarium mm. or Gayer Reach however you say that Gayer um, Reach yeah so and I, my thought was that like I have so many like outs to win that like even if I draw a discard I've never I haven't like Gayer Reach hasn't turned on in any of the games so I haven't seen you know I, I'm a very like reactive brewer so if like I get in a game or maybe emotional brewer is a good word. If I get in a game and I activate Guy Reach and then somebody blows up my stuff because I drew them into a, a sword, then I'll be like, oh, this card is garbage and I'll cut it. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet is what you're saying. No, that hasn't, <laughs> happen. I has happen, hasn't happened either way. But the thought was that like I have so much gas that I'll draw into, like I could draw into a counterspell and keep it. Like if I have right. two cards in hand and then like, and like I imagine that I have more resources so that, you know, it'll, it'll get me there. Um, so that was your initial thought with Curio. And then I discovered uh, Storm Cauldron, which is like Curio, except it doesn't get to do that with the draw lands. But you get infinite mana and you get infinite um, land bounce. So the only, the only way to win with the deck, there are only two ways to win. Uh, and the first is to get infinite uh, Sunscorched Desert triggers. Uh, by looping, you know, this either Curio Bounce or Storm Cauldron Bounce. And that's how I won all three of my games. I think that's how I've won all of my games with the deck. And the only other way to win is to beat people to death with the 6-6 six, six <laughs> commanders. The two, uh, the two I didn't put fans. any other win cons. So I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what I did. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like this um, and, you know, you seem to had some success with it. Um, so uh, one of the one of the things you know I want to touch on here is um, you know kind of what is your kind of overall game plan with this? You kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, but in like you know more succinct. Maybe not more succinct. Maybe that's not a great way of saying that. But um, specifically, like the game plan, right? If I'm hearing you correctly, is we want to get out to 
uh, our two commanders, and we want to go from there. Yeah, I mean, I would say, ideally, if you keep an opening hand that allows you to play... I mean, best case would be turn one, Kodama, turn two, Sakashima with, like, a card, like, Prime Speaker in your hand. Mm -hmm. But more realistically is, like, turn turn two, Kodama, or turn three, Kodama, and then turn three or four, Sakashima, Mm -hmm. with some way to drum up a win. Whether that's, like, you know, Prime Speaker is sort of, like, the best piece of gas, but, like... I was either playing or goldfishing the other day where I had like sort of a weird line where I played, I think I won on my goldfish win was like on turn four where like I actually played, um, I don't know, is this AC or AC, the, the six drop tattoo yeah. basically. I played it on turn two, I think as a value engine. Um, and then I, so I was able to draw into some ramp, you know, just a casual turn two six. uh, six cmc creature you know no big deal <laughs> yeah i mean so that it's like i tried to build it like i you know i have all these cards like lotus petal and like all the fast mana you can possibly have and one of the cards that's pretty weird that allows some pretty weird stuff is energy tap mm-hmm. i don't think that's in any other cdh tech so it says tap target creature you control add an amount of colorless equal to that creature's casting cost to your mana pool so it's like a if you have a, one of these big six drops out, it's it's plus five uh, colorless for a blue, which is pretty cool. So you can do some really weird stuff. So like sometimes if you have Kadama out, let's say you have a turn three Kadama, but you had seven mana somehow, you know, with some semblance of ramp and everything, you could drop this and then play, for example, like Coveted Jewel. I mean, you could play Storm Cauldron. There's a, like there's there's a few of these these um, cards in the deck that can gain you some value. I mean, one of the big bombs is Memory Jar, which hasn't come up in a game recently, but is very cool. And then, so at ETBs, you get a, you get the Kadama trigger, and then you draw, and you let the draws happen first, so then hopefully you draw into, like, more gas and just <laughs> storm off. Yeah, yeah. The, the way I see it in, in many respects is, like, the deck has surface similarities to something like Godo, where you know, you're just essentially trying to make a ton of mana and your plan is largely in the command zone. So you're mulliganing for just a lot, a lot of mana. Um, you know, Godo has to try to get to 11 often, um, yeah. but obviously play certain things that are going to make that either cost less overall or you know, will kind of uh, generate more mana than would normally, what you would normally expect. Um, you know, like Honor Worn Shaku, for example, I think is a, is a good one. Um, yeah, you get some weird stuff. Yeah, that's exactly. A, that's a good parallel to playing like Energy Tap, where you're like, well, that card's only going to get played in this very specific deck. Right, exactly. This, this deck reminds me very specifically, though, of like, um, like, uh, like Titan Shift in Modern, uh, 12 Post in Legacy. Like, it has that vibe to it um like I, I correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure that if prime time was legal you would be playing that in this list like it's oh yeah it it it, it feels very reminiscent of that style of deck to me yeah I, I don't i do a lot of brewing so like even if you say like 
if primetime was legal, I was like, oh God, how many things would that change? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Primetime I would break this deck in half. Holy cow. So one of the things, the another, I guess, dimension that, that I guess me interested in this, because I, I, so I have at the moment either in the periphery or directly that I play, you know, on a daily or weekly basis, nine different decks. And I really only play stuff that I brew. Um, and when I try to figure out, like, you know, try to make a distinction about, like, why am I playing this deck? Uh, I try to have, like, a good underlying reason as to wh- how it is competitive, how it has a competitive advantage against any other deck that I could be playing. And the biggest thing for this is that I play a lot of the people who play, especially at the time, the time of day that I play on the CEDH games server, play a lot of stacks um, and specifically a lot of rule of law. And so the deck I've played the most of out of any CEDH deck is Inala. And mm. Inala completely folds to rule of law. Right. And, and not only that, but it's like very tilting for me. I don't know about other people who play, but uh, when someone just slams down a turn one or two and turns your rule of law that you didn't have resources to respond to, and then you're like, well, now I have to sit here and try to draw into Cyclonic Rift or like one of the other two or three spells that exist in my deck to try to bounce this thing. Anyway, my my feelings about rule of law, it's like a whole nother conversation. (laughs) But... Uh, I found it very tilting to deal with that. And like, not just in that with the, I mean, Anal is the biggest example of decks that I play, but there were some other decks that were just like rule of law would hit. I was just like, Oh, I just don't want to play this game anymore. And so this deck, and this happened in my game two of the tournament just smashes through rule of law because it doesn't care. Cause you're not casting spells. You're just triggering off of stuff. Right. And so, which was, I, I still, like I say that, and I, I'm, I still get a lot of satisfaction of just smashing through that rule of line <laughs> game two. This is um, uh, reminiscent of the whole rock, paper, scissors experience that uh, used to feel a lot more in, in CEDH back in like 2017, which is, you know, you've got like those faster combo decks that kind of struggle against the rule of law decks, and then you've got these mid-range decks that just absolutely eat those stacks decks alive. And so this is built, you know, from what you're saying, um, very much in the spirit of that, right? Like kind of going over the top of these stack stacks and just eating them alive, just crushing them yeah, with value. I mean, interacting on an axis that they are not fighting you on. Yeah, originally, I think I was a little um, optimistic, and I was like, "Wow, this you know this deck wins through literally all stacks except for humility, which nothing wins through." Um, <laughs> but then I, I, you know, it's I had this epiphany. Like, <laughs> thankfully in the correct moment in the tournament where in the second game, um, so there was a rule of law on the field and there was a curse totem and there was a uh, stranglehold and the stranglehold player, somebody, this, this guy was playing uh, Tevesh uh, Rograk mm-hmm. and he cast Blood Moon right. and I was, so I had a Bonders Enclave out and so the, the board was pretty locked up and I was like, okay, well like this is my value engine. Uh, so like I don't, one blood moon. I had a pact of negation in my hand, which is a little heavy, but I had the man. I had a cannon out and like two non land sources. So I was like, I had like nine mana or something. It was good. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I think I'm going to value counter this because it's better for me. Like, completely shuts off the Timna Sakashima player, but like, not good for me. Um, and so I thought about it. First, I activated my jeweled amulet so that I could pay for pact or just because just I wanted to, because otherwise it, my lands wouldn't make blue. Um, 
And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I can't win through Blood Moon because my win con is a non-basic land uh, that doesn't want to be a mountain. And so I was like, <laughs> and I like countered it for I think almost the wrong reason. And then I thought about it like right as it was happening. I was like, oh shit, like I definitely need to counter this spell. Cause at the time, like if you look at my tournament list, there there's, I'm not running any, any removal, literally zero. So I can't even deal with the blood moon. That's why I said my backup plan is to just like swing into the blood moon player with these giant creatures. Um, so I've, I've since adjusted my, I guess, I don't know you'd call it, my non-tournament list, the list I keep curating and, and tweaking and playing with, uh, to have a, well, I put in Kogla, which is a, a sort of hilarious choice to deal with Blood Moon, but that's what you get when you play weird stuff. Yeah, Simic yeah. Uh, sometimes <laughs> has to uh, uh, look for some interesting cards to, to answer certain things just because yeah, of limited I mean, access. I think the strength of the deck is 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 in part its explosiveness and its explosiveness through so many different stacks pieces. Right. Like whether it's rule of law or null rod, you know, null rod can be a big thorn in the side. I lost a game I played earlier this week because someone put a null rod and I had a jeweled Lotus, a mana Mm -hmm. crypt and (laughs) something else out and was like, well, I was like, yeah, I, I think I had a turn to, I call it not a turn to win, but like a turn to storm. I had a turn to Sakashima with prime speaker in my hand. And then I was second, and the person who was first uh, played a Null Rod on turn two, or an Oof. Yeah, it feels like you can conceivably beat most stacks, but there is a good number of stacks pieces that just kind of slow you down, right? Like Torpor Orb seems annoying, Null Rod, you know, at the right time yeah. seems annoying, Cursed Totem equally can just be annoying, but like, none of these things are keeping you from winning necessarily. Right, yeah, I played a game recently, one of the guys on the server plays um, a Yasharn list. I actually have my own Yasharn list. Uh, that I that I'm working on, but uh, he plays Yasharn way more than I do, and he had so Yasharn Yasharn doesn't I don't really care about Yasharn because uh, that's not what Simic does, but he had some other stuff out. So he had one of the cards. He's a really fringe card. Um, oh man, it's uh, the two two creature that if a creature would enter. And it wasn't cast exile instead. Oh, containment priest. Yeah, that seems containment pretty good. priest. So <laughs> that was like a big. But you. Know, so we think about it, and like some decks like can't win through a containment priest. Like I don't think, and like they have to remove it. Like maybe Derevi uh, is a good example. Like with the flickered right. with a meal. But like I like my main win is is um, you know bouncing. Sun scorched with cloudstone. So like I don't care about that card. It just slows down my ability to get there. And so that card was out and then I cast Sakashima and then in response uh he flashed in a Hushwing Griff <laughs> to shut off my thing and I was just and I was like like in part of like it's the fun of just like you know how at least for me is that I it's just like I was just sort of like you know you're trying man but like you got to throw a little more fuel on the fire to, to put it out and so i had enough mana where i i think hard cast uh a coveted jewel and then i was like well now i get a trigger and then i put on like you know a garrick and drew six cards and then drew into 
you know, I had enough stuff where I just comboed through the Hushwing Griff being put on that turn. So I think that's a big strength of the deck where like some of that stuff is like someone's playing Oracle, for example, you get a Hushwing Griff and you only have non-creature counters in your hand. You're like, well, there went that. And you just have to completely regroup. Whereas like this deck is like, nope, just going to keep digging into this, uh, you know, this Simic well of right good stuff until and, i mean that's that was the classic problem with with flash hulk back in the day right is that it was the type of deck that was both fast you know efficient but also resilient to a lot of different types of hate including rule of law and you know it could even play around torpor orb in many many situations so like yeah totally understandable that right uh, you could pivot mid flash hulk line yeah like, <laughs> yep people people tend to think that you know the strength of that deck was just how fast it was but no the strength of that deck was how fast it was while also just ignoring so many things that would try to slow it down right like, Orico really yeah turned it into the ultimate monster yeah um so you know a, a couple card uh, includes in this list and you talked about you know you talked about energy tap which i actually think is an awesome include in this you run enough big creatures that it seems reasonable um well especially kadama yeah you know, right. since since kadama entering the field is your like step one um you know energy tap is definitely a card that i'm gonna be i guess having keeping my finger on to see you know, how much does this really like open up a line of play where now I won where I couldn't have won otherwise versus like how much is this a card that I draw that is dead? <laughs> right. Well, and, and I, I think it's interesting enough to keep testing for sure. And that's that's one of the things I noticed with us is that this list is very tooled to win and defend your win and not really you're not you're, you're playing a little bit different of a uh, of a strategy than what many other people might be familiar with because like you know you're you're very light counter sweep i mean you're running packed mental misstep mana drain uh force of negation force of will and then veil of summer kind of is a you know that's six you know as far as uh, CEDH yeah, concerned. That's a protective spell. Yeah, and so 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 all of these counter spells you're using these as protecting your win and not you know in everything else is powering it out is is that correct yeah yeah i mean i think that like i said for me when brewing this like i had to hit a sweet spot of like what is it that i'm where is like what environment this is why i was talking about this er earlier that i have in my head like when i brew decks i want to have a competitive advantage and like mm -hmm. what is that sweet like what kind of pod do i want to be like this is this is the deck to like to beat in this pod because and so for me i think that is like a combination of stacks or like inner well stacks even better but like if you get into a very stacksy pod i think this deck is just like really positioned to thrive uh and so you know i don't know some of this is like as a brewer it's like hard hard to measure how to compromise but initially my thought was that like you know every piece that i cut for you know i'm either gonna have to cut ramp or tutors or gas to to make room for more interaction because the land count i think has to be so high because the lands are so important right you know you you have these creatures that rely on landfall you know that i think i think it was in the second game it might have been in my first in both of the tournament games where i hit lands you know like off the top 
that and you know and the lands because in kadama like when you hit lands off the top you get to play lands if you have you know tati over icy out um and it's not it's like ramp and it's draw it's just everything you need and it was it's, it's it was also hard like when i'm making this list i so i'm running uh, i think yeah the tournament list is five basics in it out of a 35 land base in a two color deck which is like very low uh, so, but like a lot of the lands, it's like I, you know, I tried to stuff in all of the draw lands, which of which there are like maybe six or seven. There's a bunch, and then like you need to play stuff. Like I think I needed enough color fixing. You know, obviously you're gonna play breeding pool and tropical island, but like I'm on a few others. Like um, rejuvenating springs. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on the filter one. You know, one of the other things that's that's weird that I try to think about. For two color decks specifically, and this is a little different. I, I also did a lot of brewing on Malcolm Breaches, uh, and I have a similar like weird land base where I'm not running like mana confluence and stuff. But like, so all of the lands that tap for and hurt you, like mana confluence and uh, City of Brass, uh, if you're going to try to make infinite mana, you can't do it with those because you'll die. And so you have to make weird compromises where you're like trying to balance all this stuff. And so that's why I ended up like, you know, I want to play ramp lands like Nykthos and Ancient Tomb and um, Cradle. And so it's like you get to this weird point where it's like, you know, I don't want to drop below a certain threshold of basic lands. But like I want to have all these land tools because lands are so important in the deck. Um, So it's like very hard to make room for interaction like in a way that it's maybe not as hard and especially some other blue decks that are a lot more interaction focused where it's just like, Oh, you know, I'm playing this sort of, I can cut my worst mana rock. Uh, and you know, you look at this and it's like, uh, I don't really want to cut any of this stuff because it's like even stuff that seems sort of bad, like jeweled amulet is like, you know, all those zero mana artifacts are ways for you to trigger landfall when you've drawn cards right. and you've already played your land for turn where you, like and you don't have any mana and then that's how you set up you know if you just drew seven cards and you have no mana and no land for turn you get a zero mana artifact and now you have five mana and, and you are so, trying to essentially hit 10 mana in very short order so it does right. feel like and you all that stuff helps deep into exactly. that yeah <laughs> um callahan i was thinking why don't we ask hisp to kind of like run us through his thoughts during that last game, sort of like leading up to it, evaluating the pod, you know, your position in the pod, you know, what were your thoughts before the game started, you know, as the game was evolving. Um, and then finally, I guess, so we get a good sense of how this deck actually kind of wins. Why don't you tell us uh, a bit about the line you took that, that finally won the game and explain some of the interactions there. Sure. I know so, that's a lot in one shot. <laughs> no, no, no. So in evaluating the pod, I thought, I thought bad. <laughs> I thought this is this is not the pot I want to be in. Like, cause I and I looked, you know, as the games were finishing up, and I knew that, you know, at first I was just hoping to make the final because I knew that I didn't really know how everybody's uh, stuff was shaking out. Like, I knew I was well positioned going two and zero in the after the first two rounds, but I lost my third game, and then uh, I saw that Gates and Shiver had both won, and they both like that had a higher whatever that rating is called elo i guess elo uh and i was like oh i hope more people don't win and go two and one because mine's pretty low it seems i also had a weird tournament comp where i was in so uh kazu had something come up and didn't show up 
even though he was registered. So I was the only person in round one to have a three person pod. Uh, and then in round two, like the, they, they were like, well, if you got Kazu in the thing, then you just have to play a three person pod. I didn't get that. But then in round two, I got three person because the fourth person just didn't, I don't know, lost track of time or whatever and just didn't show up. So I played back to back three person pods, which was weird. Um, so it was also, and I, that's related to the final because I actually didn't have a lot of experience at playing in a full pod. And I was like, well, uh, it's, it feels a little like I evaluated and I was like, okay, these are both very fast, very proactive decks that I know are going to be in here. Like, I hope that I get a slower stacks here. Like, please slow these people down because I'm not going to do it. And they're faster than me. And then I got, I think. Dargo Ikra, which is also a pretty proactive deck as far as I know. I haven't played against that one as much, but I was like, that's not what I wanted. Um, and at that point, I was two, like, turn three deck, yeah. <laughs> well, I just hope I win the, the dice roll and that I get a good draw. And, um, you know, like, I know that some of the, like, uh, you know, especially the decks that don't have blue are just a little bit like, uh, they're not that uh, good at disrupting the opponent. Um, and so at that point I was like, well, I just got to try to make the best of it. And, you know, I was looking at my opening hands and like, I guess maybe thankfully, like I, you know, there was a good bit of it was just like good luck. Uh, one of the things that are the reasons I actually brewed six different decks that could have competed in this tournament and tested them to some extent. And one of the things I thought was a big, uh, positive of this deck was I thought it would really catch people off guard. Cause like when when opponents know like I feel like people don't really know this deck at all. Yeah, it's a dark you know, horse. They say. Yeah, real. You know, nobody's really playing it, or if people were playing it, their versions were very different. And I just thought that people would see like Sakashima come down and be like, "Okay, now we have to worry." And it's like, no, actually, you had to worry before because now you're dead. Uh, <laughs> I was like, so I was I was hoping to get a lot of mileage out of the surprise factor, which I think I did because I I remember in the recap or maybe it was in the in the channel, uh, you know, Gates had a mystical tutor that I think if they were more familiar with the deck, they might have played differently because uh, they went for a more proactive line because I think their assessment of the field or something was like, okay, nobody was going to win the next turn cycle, and they were set up and so i just you know i got super lucky top decking the jewel lotus obviously which sped up my clock a lot well and so so before we get into that so um what was your opening hand exactly so i believe it was um fetch land uh arbor elf mana crit or mana vault i'm sorry definitely those three and then it was like four pieces of gas, I think. Yeah, there was definitely. So I, prime I'm pretty, so I, I'm pretty well. sure I had a, I had a, um, a spring drum leaf, which I bottomed, and uh, I think it was a coveted jewel, which I bottomed, and then so I kept prime speaker in hand and trophy mage, and so I was thinking because so trophy mage. In the in, just in those five cards, Trophy Mage is not a win. It's infinite mana, but you need an outlet. And so I was thinking, like, okay, so I have the combo piece, and I have a Prime Speaker, so I can draw seven cards. So I just I'm just hoping for ramp. Um, you know, Trophy Mage can also get go get Basalt Monolith if 
you're really struggling to get up to the necessary mana to cast your commanders. Uh, so it's a little flexible in that way. And, you know, I was down to five cards at that point. And I was like, okay, this is pretty good. Uh, definitely not going to dig deeper for this. Because, I, you know, I'd also, in the first three hands, like, one of the things that's a little t- tough with the deck is, like, the colors. Sometimes you get, you just don't, you, you know, you get all utility lands that are all colorless. And you're like, well, this is not playable. Um, so, yeah. So I looked at that and I was like, Arbor Elf is good. You know, I can maybe draw, you know, it's a very low percentage. But, like, I can draw into, like, the land enchantments and get a little extra ramp. Um, you know, Arbor Elf sometimes isn't live if you if you get like a man tower or something, but you know, with a fetch land, it's it's good. So, um, yeah, that was my assessment anyway. Other right. Than hand. Well, and it it seemed for me when I was watching that game that it felt like your opponents kept very conservative hands. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like go but I sort of I glanced back I when um Rebel posted the recap I I watched that video so I like glanced at what their openers were but um I didn't yeah I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time like trying to think if if their own decisions for keeps or not were right well it felt like they kept a good number of cards right like I don't remember too many people other than you going to like five or lower and nobody yeah. had a win before turn three, right? And in a pod yeah, like nobody that, nobody threatened anything. Yeah, in a pod like that, people could you could easily imagine somebody kind of hitting the nuts and threatening a win on turn two, right? With some aggressive mulligans, but felt like you know, kind of once people got into the tournament setting, you know, maybe they were more inclined to keep kind of like more stable but slightly slower hands. Yeah. I also wonder if you like remember the games that you mulliganed to like three and you didn't you just sat there doing nothing more than the games where you mulliganed to four and one on turn two. Right. So Certainly I don't know, maybe especially if the stakes are higher, it's just like, ah, oh, I'm not gonna throw away my chance to win right. by being greedy. Um yeah, I mean I think I you know, I think there was a lot of luck for me in the final because it the whole thing just sort of played itself. Like you know, I, I think my first three hands were, like, very unkeepable. So there wasn't a lot of nuanced thought or decision-making into that. And then I got to five, and I was like, well, this is good. You know, I had, like, elf. So I was like, okay, I have two, two, I mean, I guess it was, like, turn three, Kadama, turn four, Sakashima with Prime Speaker. So it was like, I, you know, I have a really good chance to win at least on turn four um, with just drawing lands. So... Yeah, because oh, you didn't even have the Jeweled Lotus in your opener, right? Like, from what we saw right. as, as casters, we kind of got, like, that, that stereotypical, like, that meme. Not not to say that your your deck is a meme or, like, your, the way you played was a meme, but, like, the meme of, like, the green deck going land, mana, dork, pass. And, and you know, like, against, like, the three sort of Turbo Nas decks where, like, the yeah. joke these days is, like, oh, you played a mana dork, like, ha like, get wrecked by all my fast mana, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I made fun of somebody about that earlier this week, actually, because I played, like, land dork pass, and I was like, wow, what an underwhelming opener, and I, like, played, you know, five right. artifacts or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the thought was if I, even if I just draw a land, I mean, I have a lot of draws to, like, Elvish Spirit Guide or, or you know, Soul Ring or Lotus Petal, to still hit a turn two Kadama and then a turn three Sakashima, which is what happened. Right. Um, so like that's, you know, Mana Vault is really strong in that way. And, you know, especially with an elf. Um, 
so I was just like, well, I'm hoping for that. There's like a lot of outs. I don't think it's likely, but uh, which is, you know, and then I drew I drew one of those cards on turn two. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, it's like, it, uh, you know, it's for me, it's similar to the way that I play Anala, which is I just like jam. You know, it's like, stop me if you can. Uh, and there's no, and especially the way I built this deck, there's no reason to not, uh, you know, I think, like I said, one of the biggest um, benefits, especially with this tournament and like the knowledge of it was that I think when I cast Sakashima, people are just like, they're on guard, but they're not ready for it to be like, well, trigger, draw seven, trigger, draw, trigger, win. Right. Uh, and so that was, that was a big thing that I was banking on. Yeah, to a large yeah. extent, like in, in a pod like that, definitely uh, if you don't jam, you've got three opponents who are going <laughs> who are going to hop on the opportunity. So it's not like you're uh, rewarded for for holding back necessarily and and letting one person get blown out only for like the next person to shoot their shot and win. Um, you know, it kind of feels like you have to go for it. And if you get there, great. If you don't, well, that was still your best chance. So I don't think anyone can fault you for that. Yeah, I mean, even even like some really small stuff, but I think that like matters. I mean, it probably isn't. I mean, if somebody has the opportunity to interact when you have draw seven on the stack, they're probably going to do it. And before you resolve that, but like little things, you know, like sometimes there's weird nuanced pieces of interaction that people have that I don't know come up. Like maybe they have a counter spell and they they would have countered something. Uh, and they didn't. So like I just making sure that like learning to stack my triggers, which sounds very basic now, but like to draw first and right, then trigger right. Kadama, you know, makes a big difference, I think. Or depending on your hand, maybe if you have like a coveted jewel, you want to put it in first so that you can get mana so that, you know, if somebody is going to. But it's like, you know, one of the weird things about CDH is that like I, I think there's like a lot of. uh benefit in like assuming that people are going to play suboptimally and then like trying to hedge for like dealing with that so it's like if the optimal play is to like just respond now then like there's no way i can win through it but like people are going to mess up and then still be able to to interact with you but like they should have done it earlier to like deal with uh you know trying to cover for that when you do have room for it right i guess that's the other aspect of this deck too is like even if you know you jam and you don't quite get there you have so many bombs that theoretically just recover you anyway, you know, assuming you're right. in a grindier pod and, and you get the luxury of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a really, really cool list. Um, every time I look at it, I just want to brew it, honestly. It's it's so neat. Um, so really, you know, as, you know, Pongo, what, is, what, what are your kind of final thoughts here with this um i you know i was pleasantly surprised when i saw this deck go because you know when we when we first saw it and you know this is speaking again to that that dark horse sort of aspect that you had going for you um going into that tournament you know when when callahan and i first looked at it and you know even river and and rebel to a large extent we were looking at this deck and we were like wow like this deck kind of looks like blue green value town like you know this would be cool if people were playing kind of grindier decks, right? Where you're kind of, you know, you're going to just bury them in value, but like, how is it going to possibly beat all these like super fast proactive decks? And, and also, right. like, you know, you've got a very light interaction package. Um, so like, you're not necessarily going to be able to control the table 
but then to actually see it in action and and finally realize like oh wow this is actually a very this is you know a, a deck capable of being extremely proactive in its own right um you know capable of threatening wins and then like seeing that interaction between kodama and sakashima where you know as soon as you've got two kodamas in play they're kind of like triggering off of one another, bouncing off of one another, as as it, you, you know you could kind of say. Um, that was that was super neat, and it was sort of an interaction that I hadn't considered. Yeah, we were sitting it. there just like, does it work that way? Is that how it works? And we looked it up, and we're like, huh, yeah, it does. Yeah, so you yeah. Know, you're putting all this stuff into play, and you're never casting like another spell from that point on. Yes, it very pleasantly skirts through rule of law in that way. <laughs> yeah um well you know uh hisp it's honestly again congratulations and this is just probably one of the cooler decks that i've seen in recent history um i love getting to see creative deck building um and you know these are the type of things i said this uh when we were live on the air is you know these are the type of decks that really get me jazzed up about the format because it it proves the point and this was something we talked about before pongo got into our group chat and um and before um before we started recording today was just this um this kind of general mentality in the community is that well it's like oh well everybody's got to be on nas like that's the best strategy blah 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 uh, and there's nothing else that's the only right or breach you know it's like those are the two strategies that's it that's the only viable ones and um you know, I'm I'm always in support of seeing decks that you immediately look at 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 first glance and you go, oh okay, well whatever. And um, even after the first glance and you kind of keep digging at them, is they are perfectly good decks in their own right and uh, can can certainly compete uh, if they need to. So it's just like. I, I really love seeing this and I think it's a really cool idea. Um, I don't know if you've seen or seen this yet or not, but uh, Cobblepot, uh, we, we <laughs> the day of the tournament, we sent this to him uh, after you won. And I was like, Cobblepot, you're going to want to look at this list like right now. Um, and he immediately started brewing something. So um, he, you know, yeah. It, so I got an invite to the, um, there's a Kadama discord. You know, I, t- to me, one of the, this is sort of a true joke in in my own head was that I have these, you know, I said I have like nine different decks in various right. permutations. And most of the decks that I play have a Discord. And I didn't know that Kadama had a Discord. I like looked for it and didn't find it. And yeah. so I was like, you know, part there's a little bit of motivation to play this deck because if I do well, maybe I'll find the Discord. And sure enough, <laughs> somebody sent me an invite. It was somebody that I talked to on the Yasharn Discord sent me an invite and I saw that Cobble and some other people were talking about it. You know, I think Cobble's a pretty busy guy, so I haven't heard from him since that original conversation happened. I guess on it was last weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's fun to have a place. You know, it helps organize your thoughts. You know, I already posted. You know, I've 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 played another half a dozen games or something, and I already made some changes to my current deck list separate mm-hmm. from the tournament to deal with you. Like I had no idea that Draneth Magistrate is like actually literally something that completely kills the deck that I didn't have any, literally any interaction for. And so I added in uh, Mouth of Ronum and, and uh, Kogla 
uh, as ways to deal with it. And so, so it's, it's, it's fun to have some, some people, you know, I think I, like I said, I saw Cobble and some other people posting in that discord that it'll be fun to hear their thoughts about stuff. Cause I think one of yeah. Cobble's main points was just like, there's no interaction. What, how does this deck stand on its feet? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that is a good one. Dranath magistrate. Certainly if your plan is all in the command zone. Yeah. So I think part of it is to like find, find how to, how to, tune the deck and like it's a sweet spot and like you know one of the things that I is like hard to brew for is like I like I said that that nobody really knew what this deck was doing so that people weren't like playing against it correctly and you know now I think I've gotten some spotlight in a way that people will like know what's going on and so when I cast Sakashima I bet a lot more people will be like you gotta hit Kadama now or we're gonna lose <laughs> this and is so, this is your chance <laughs> yeah and just so like to 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 find the sweet spot where it's like okay I have enough pieces of interaction where I can deal with that but then not lose out on on you know the other engines like ramp and and gas that really let the deck run efficiently right. yeah and well, that makes total sense um well you know Hisp, thank you for joining us. And yeah, uh, thanks we, for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and like I said, uh, I really, really, really like this deck, and I think more people should check it out um, and give it a give it a give it a look. It's a cool looking uh, list, and uh, it plays pretty cool. But um, well, that about wraps things us for for us here today. Just a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at. Sculpty Boys, or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. Want to give an extra thanks to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Uh, thank you again his, for joining us. Um, you know, Pongo, it's uh, it's been kind of cool getting to to do these uh, events and see these uh, kind of creative deck builders uh, find some success. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was it was a super cool tournament. You know, thanks again to Sinestra and everybody who helped with the organization of that tournament, uh, all the tournament organizers and, uh, you know, basically everyone but ourselves because, you know, we just kind of showed up and and just... <laughs> babbled about decks that we didn't understand um yeah you know which was fun but you know thanks to everyone who uh helped out with the organization of the tournament and all the participants uh it was a lot of fun and it was really really cool to see uh, all the different decks that people brought yeah absolutely no they 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 did a hell of a job uh organizing that so uh good job to the sinestra and crew for doing that one um but with that uh thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the mind sculptors i'm callahan and see you next time